uh, you know, my first first big job in high school was working at the Chick-fil-A here in Texas because that's the big one. Oh, I've done my I have worked on and off for like the last 10 years at different fast food places. I feel you entirely. It's same. Mine was working at a subway and then I did that for 10 years and that was really the last job I ever had. Then I was just unemployed. <laughs> the only culture we have left in the United States is fast food and sports. The the final bastions of of America really. Bread and circuses, as it were. Uh, fitting, one might say. Psychic Dolphin Garage. Fortunately, today we're not doing an episode on fast food. Thank the Lord. We have some lovely guests uh, from No Evil Foods. I, I guess not officially from no evil foods anymore so i can't introduce you as that but rather as as organizers yeah on a different timeline maybe we'd be still at no evil foods if they weren't former employees and organizers at no evil foods yeah <laughs> could have been management but really <laughs> fucked that one up at no evil foods. <laughs> uh introduce yourselves tell us a little bit about yourselves um you know of course what your favorite fast food is uh what the best tv show you've been watching during quarantine oh man you're putting me on the spot um so i'm john i started at no evil probably around this time last year and i was fired on the first of may they decided to fire me on may day with no irony oh my god <laughs> what what kind of makes it interesting is that i had moved from out of state to um take this job specifically to move i moved here to take the job at no evil foods because i uh i saw their marketing and if you've been to their website you know what i'm talking about where they're they brand themselves as being really lefty, really progressive, really cool. They they quote themselves as being uh, revolutionary leaders, like they're leading the resistance and like this food revolution. And I mean, I thought that was cool. I, I wanted to be a part of that and I bought it, you know, and I learned a, a pretty I, I learned a lot from it. But uh, yeah. Um, do you want to go? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Taco Bell. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Good, a revolutionary choice. Thank indeed. you for <laughs> participating in our like corporate uh, team building exercise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sponsored by Taco Bell. <laughs> God, I can only dream of the day. <laughs> and I'm Megan. Um, I started at No Evil Foods in December of 2019, and I was a major part of the organizing drive there. Like John, I moved out here after getting the job, thinking that it was going to be this really great experience. Um, like he's vegan. I'm a vegetarian. Like we, we really bought into the marketing there. It seemed like it was going to be the coolest place to work. And that like we wanted to make careers out of this place. Like we wanted to be like those senior people there leading the f new food revolution and it just really didn't pan out that way once uh once their masks came off that's interesting i i like that i like that it kind of aligned with your lifestyle and values it wasn't just like oh i'm going there just for uh the values but also you know wanting to participate in in uh in in the way that vegan food is made and distributed around the u.s because that's a really you know, without delving too much into the issues with the food supply chain in the United States, uh, at least having delicious uh, access to, you know, meat replacements across the board is, is has been a big thing over the past 10 years. So, yeah, I mean, this wasn't like another job for me. Um, I 
I was unemployed for a bit last summer, and I was trying to really find something I could do that wasn't going to be like the other jobs I've had. I've worked retail. I've worked in hotels. I mean, and I wanted something different. I wanted something that I could stay at and something that would be something that I'm passionate about. And th this seemed like the perfect fit. It really did. And it it really was, was truly a, a like very disappointing experience. And it seems that because it happened so quickly, the Band-Aid was really ripped off, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It was like looking back at it, it was it was very quick. Um, the As it was happening, it felt like it kind of felt a little bit slower because it started very gradually and then it just sped right up. And then COVID just I, I feel like COVID, COVID has taken the mask off not only No Evil Foods, but so many different businesses are tr are showing their real true colors because of this uh, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And they're just concerned well, about the bottom line. Exactly. Everybody being laid off, you know, uh, in, in favor of company stock buybacks and the like across the board, really. Um, so, yeah, you guys joined this cool, uh, you know, this cool kid vegan company. It was going to be an amazing job. And you went into it wanting to make it a long-term career and you know I, I had asked this already but you guys didn't really this wasn't like a, oh we're gonna go organize this workplace and and y'all didn't necessarily have uh you know a, a massive background in in unionizing either yeah no it's not something like I, no of course we didn't go in there with any intention of ruffling any feathers like we said you know <laughs> this was somewhere we wanted to go and build a career and have a sense of stability, which I mean, you guys know, and I'm sure your listeners know, that's kind of hard to come by nowadays, that, <laughs> that stability of, it's just stability in general, but it, it it's just really um, unfortunate the way that it turned out. But yeah, we were, we were really excited to be there. And uh, like John said, when we first got there too, you know, I loved the job itself, like the actual process of making the food and cooking it off and going through the process to make sure everything is safe and boxing it up. Like, I, I love that kind of monotony. And I guess maybe that's kind of a weird thing to say. But, you know, I I really loved the job itself. And I didn't even have any real major complaints when I first started there. There were little things here and there, like, you know, some of the safety equipment. You know, we're working with corrosive chemicals to to clean off the dishes that we use all day long. Mind mm -hmm. you, all of these are being done by hand. And you'll find gloves that have holes in them. And, you know, they had like ski goggles <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> I believe it's been updated since. But when I first started there, it was like ski goggles, holes in the gloves that you're using with corrosive chemicals. And it was little things like that that really started to be like, okay, maybe this place needs some work and some help, but it was never anything that was really like, oh my God, I do not want to work here. I do not want to come to work today. Like this place sucks. It, it was never like that at the beginning. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. There, this is not like startup, like, wow, we just got off the ground. We're getting, you know, hand over fist orders for our supplies. They've been around since 2014. So they're decently well established in terms of the products that they're making and selling and then their suppliers that they're having to ship the stuff out to, and yet it still felt, it still felt jank. It still felt kind of <laughs> seat of the seat of your pants. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Like there, there were so many issues with organization and as far as like meeting goals and different things like that, you know, the goals change halfway through the shift. It, it was, it, it, a lot of it seems super unorganized, but that's, I feel like part of that is because, and this is just my own interpretation of what I was witnessing, but it, to me, it seemed like, you know, we have this goal set, we meet these goals, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, we met this goal and we still have an hour left. How much more can we do to try to kind of build it up? There was no structure to it in the sense that, like, we knew what we were doing that day. We were meeting that goal and being done. It was just, like, always chaos towards the end of the night. And him and I both worked on night shift. So it, it was always just, like, chaos between trying to clean with giant holes in your gloves and, you know, getting in like 10 more cooks than you thought you were going to do that day. There, there was a lot of chaos going on there and I can even like overlook it. And I did at the time because it's like, okay, you know, they're not whole foods. They're not a massive chain. And it, it, it just, you know, the, the little things we could get over, but it was those small things culminating together that, you know, made it make more sense to have the hourly employees, the lowest paid people there to have a say in the workplace and how it runs on a day to day basis. And I didn't think we were asking for that much, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and and certainly, certainly if there's, you know, improvements to be made, having the people that are doing the work uh, suggesting the improvements just seems to make sense. Was that was that the catalyst? Was there something else that was that catalyzed a, the push to unionize or is it just kind of like, oh, hey, you know, we could we have ideas. We want to we want to make this place better. It was it was more of a it sounds like it was more of a passion project to want to unionize so that there was structure so that there was um, help for the owners. Yeah. I, and and so the summer of 2019, the company itself had been working under a four day work week. And so what they ended up doing is they ended up switching from a four-day work week to a five-day work week, and they didn't give everybody really a lot of notice with that. And so I, I feel like I wasn't there for that, but I, I have talked to people who were, and they hinted that that was a big catalyst for the union drive. And that kind of speaks to what Megan was saying, like, about how there was no real structure and there was like this argument, one of the many arguments that they made against unionizing, but this was one of the big ones, was that this union was going to come in and it was there to, the union supporters were deliberately or unintentionally hurting the company by bringing this union in. And it was never about that, not for me and not for Megan and not for anybody else who supported the union there. We wanted that union there so it would stabilize the company and give workers a greater say in what happens and it would give them stability and the stability part is probably one of the biggest things and one of the biggest reasons for the union in general it, it would have put everything into a contract and it would have made it so they can't say oh well we're going from a four-day work week to a five-day work week and then if you can't make it if you can't make that work for you then oh shit i mean you're on your own at that point and there was somebody there were a lot of people there who had been there for a really long time who couldn't make that work. They had that accommodation was what they signed up for and they were just disregarded. And it was just like, where's the loyalty to these people? 
that makes a lot of sense. As, as someone who is uh, autistic, I've actually had like being able to have four day work weeks at jobs has a- allowed me to keep them and to think that they would just change something like that without consulting anyone. It's like, yeah, I, I, I'd be one of those people who got fucked and just like lost the job eventually. And that's uh, I guess I'm just saying solidarity there. But well, like, another yeah, thing that's, that's really especially disgusting <laughs> about it is that um, they had a long time employee there. I, I couldn't tell you how long the person was there for, but they needed those Fridays off to go take a family member. I think it was his wife to uh, cancer treatments. OK, so this guy is like, I can't come Jeez. in on Fridays. Yeah. Oh, it gets worse because it's like this guy goes to management and he tells them, you know, I can't be here on Fridays. You know, I took this job because I need to be able to take my my loved one to a facility to get, you know, awful cancer treatments on Fridays. I, I'm not coming in on Friday. And from what we were told, the owner, Mike, just shrugged his shoulders and said, well, we knew this wasn't going to work for everybody. It's like, how, how can anyone do that? It's unbelievable. So yeah, it was, it was that really that I think sparked the, uh, the union drive initially before we even got there. And I'm pretty sure that like half the staff ended up, uh, resigning. They all wrote letters. Yeah. Half, half, uh, I, I don't want to say half like definitively, but a large portion of the staff, like they joined together and resigned. They were like, we can't do this. And we're all standing together. We're resigning, whatever. And it honestly makes me feel kind of bad because it's like, I came in in December. Was I replacing one of those people? And it, it it's it's really unfortunate how that happened. But what ended up happening is that after all of those people resigned, the people who were really getting the union drive started and who were all about it, you know, the most of them left because they couldn't stay. So, uh, I mean, a lot of us have theorized that that was the first attempt at breaking up the union. You know, oh, let's just change the schedule on a whim and everybody will have to quit and then we'll get a whole new staff in here. So what ended up happening was uh, one employee who was able to accommodate his schedule around what they changed it to, he was being contacted by the UFCW, the uh, union that we were trying to organize with, the United Food Commercial Workers Union. Yeah, okay. The United Food and Commercial Workers Union contacted him because he had signed a card. And they were like, hey, you know, what's going on here? And he just kind of picked up the torch and started to... uh, rally back around and try to organize the newcomers that were coming in. And that's when I signed a card. You know, this is the guy that the same guy that I'm talking about who kind of took the torch and tried to continue on organizing there. He's the one that gave us both our union cards. So this was you guys were not even going into this like trying to rally union. You guys hadn't gotten into this thinking, um, you know, wow, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, get into this UFCW workplace or anything. And then you find yourselves kind of at the center of the of the hurricane of not only trying to organize, but also being terminated by by the employers for the for those efforts for joining in on the organizing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You said that it's the UFCW that you're trying to organize with. Like, what are some of the highlights of getting to organize with them like did you guys get to do classes with them did they sit down with you and and help talk you through how to talk to the boss and and kind of talk about the the anti-union propaganda that they were going to be showing y'all so that's where i kind of differ with the ufcw um i'll preface all of this by saying that the two organizers that we were working with from the ufcw they were seasoned 
they were really nice people you know they were always there when we gave them a call and they were always willing to like print stuff off for us um you know they they, they were there physically yeah. when we needed them to be there but quite honestly we didn't know what we were getting into like we did not know how bad it was going to be we didn't know how bad the propaganda campaign by management was going to be i feel like we didn't get a lot of warning about what it would even be like vaguely um i of course since all of this went down um we've been in contact with the iww that has a structure that I align more with personally, you know, the whole idea of building the solidarity first and having workers, you know, you don't necessarily have to have NLRB recognition to have a union in your workplace if all of the workers are on board with it. So, you know, but there was no yeah. inoculation process, which is really important for anybody that doesn't know what that is. It's, you know, just it's like what you were saying, knowing what you're walking into when you go into an anti-union campaign. Yeah, at least at least having them show you the Delta Airlines photo where it's like, pay union dues, you could buy an Xbox. Exactly. No, but that's the thing. We didn't get any of that. And it's not to say anything bad about the UFCW. I love those guys. They were really great. But at the same time, like maybe they just didn't recognize how novice we were at all of this. And we could have definitely used more guidance and more inoculation, really. Inoculation, I think, is key because I think the captive yeah. audience meetings are what really tip the scales because I think that we could have gotten either a really close vote or a yes vote as far as passing the union through had those captive audience meetings not occurred or not occurred as aggressively as management did them yeah or if there wasn't the if there was the inoculation aspect before go, we went into those meetings i think it, they probably would have been very different i learned too far too late about uh captive audience bingo cards if you're if you know what those are i i've done i've done my 101 training so yes the yeah, uh yeah 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 yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We we didn't even like I I learned about that after the meetings, and then when I saw that, I was like, "Holy shit, that's a great idea! Why didn't we do that?" Handing out these little cards where, like, at the door, you can hand them out to anybody that wants. When they sit down, they have a marker, and they say, "You're gonna pay for dues." You check the box off because they said dues. <laughs> they they uh, fear monger about <laughs> sexual harassment or God. There's so many different talking points. Yeah. <laughs> um. You, you know any of the talking points that they use, and then if somebody gets bingo. The union yeah, is a third yeah, yeah. party. Yeah. It's Cards literally are legally buying their bullshit. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. And you're inoculating yeah, people yeah. out the door. Yeah. You're inoculating people and you're not like standing up and screaming back at them. That's bullshit. You're just you're just doing it in a much more passive way. So what are they gonna do? Go around and gather up, you know, bingo cards like their teachers or, you know, adults yeah. in daycare <laughs> yeah. again? It's 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 a great way to put them back on the back foot again. Yeah. And and I feel like what Megan said too, just to kind of touch on that about how we don't really even need the union to get what we need done. We really figured that out after the union drive too, um, because of COVID. And we can talk more about that. Uh, I don't know if you have questions and sort of a timeline on how you want this to go, but we really defined solidarity unionism like to a T with oh, how cool. we responded to their COVID response. And I think that's really what made them fire me because they said, holy shit. They don't need a union. They're still organizing <laughs> without a union. And yeah. they, we need to get rid of these people. 
yeah th- yeah my only other question was gonna be uh, like what did you expect from the U- ufcw what what was the the draw of that and i understand it wasn't necessarily all that had reached out to them or started the process of that but what seemed to be like the thing that was that you were moving towards with that just getting just getting the contract that was kind of all that they were pushing um yeah to? i mean the biggest draw was really that the so the ufcw had sort of been pre-selected before we got there so we didn't really have a lot of say in the union to begin with that we went with but i mean yeah job security and a right to work state and as so many people learned after the union drive like one third of their workforce who either got fired or or pushed out there's no job security in the united states but especially not in a right to work state somebody can like your employer can stop you at the door like they did with me say that they don't like the color of your hair that day or you know um as they did with another organizer you know your pants are too short or you know for me (laughs) they said that i wasn't social distancing appropriately which i mean i'm sure you've heard that one before okay yeah, uh, no, yeah, we don't hear that in Texas. Uh, they get up really yeah. close to you, and they lean in for the kiss, and they go psych, and then say, "Please social distance in the store." One in thirty Texans has got COVID. Because we're over a million cases. Oh, it's, you know, I think Colorado's like one in forty-five or something now. Yeah, we've mishandled it so much. Yeah, it, UFCW, I, I like that it was the UFCW because we actually have been paying attention to Kroger, who's been negotiating for a new contract, and they are also UFCW unionized. So it's going to be really cool to see what comes out of that. Not that I disbelieve in you know business unions um, on an individual basis, but yeah, surely... As a as a systematic approach, I personally am much more into solidarity unionism, and I would love to hear uh, what y'all did that was much more solidarity inspired and and how effective. So, it was. yes, I do want to get to all of that because it was an amazing victory, especially after losing so bad with the uh, the union drive. Just one thing I want to touch on before we get to that is how bad these captive audience meetings actually were. Like, it's so important to let people know how bad these meetings are going to be because it was awful. They um, played up on fears of sexual harassment. They played up on fears. uh, So No Evil does this thing where they'll hire formerly incarcerated folks and different things like that, which is really great. I mean, obviously, you know being you know a felon or somebody who was incarcerated should not be you know a reason that you can't get a job so it's really cool that they made a point to go through this program and hire you know felons ex-cons all of that stuff but then they would take this and they would turn around and say to these people oh well you know the ufcw is going to come in and your job could be in jeopardy just because of your background you know they said that it would be harder for um them to fire any sexual harassers that would come about in the workplace all the while at the same time they're telling us that the union doesn't have to do anything for you if they don't want to so Mm. it was just a lot of contradicting information and it, it was just awful like i would leave those meetings shaking like there were two of them where i left crying like it was absolutely awful and we're sitting there trying to explain to the managers and everybody in the room that you know this isn't the full story, you know, and we're trying to like play defense with management, which I think is a lot of where we went wrong at these meetings. Just trying to counter all of the propaganda ended up working against us because while we were focusing all of our energy on that, 
we weren't focusing on the things that actually mattered. It, it was like we weren't going to people and saying, hey, you know, if you could, you know, name a number, what would you want to make here? What could we fight for here? Where, where do you see yourself in this company in five years? Like, you know, what can this union do to actually help you? Instead, we were just playing defense constantly with management over all of this nonsense misinformation. And I think that really set us back. And we ended up losing pretty badly. Like, what was the number? 43 to 15. It was pretty much the organizing wow. drive of people. Yeah, it was really, it was awful because a lot of us were like, we don't think we're going to win this. To what, like the day, the day before, the day before this election, you know, I'm talking to John and I'm saying, you know, I don't think we're going to win this, but I think it's going to be close. Like, you know, there's still hope for this, blah, 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 blah. And, oh, we lost so bad. And it, it was awful. Uh, like, I just wasn't expecting it. But again, it was like we were blindsided by this entire anti-union campaign. I didn't think that was going to happen. You know, I walked into on a regular basis and I'd walk by all the, the HR, like not the HR, but like all of the head office people. And they were all so friendly. And, you know, when I, when the, any of the owners, Mike or Sadra would go by and say, Hey, how are you doing? I felt like they were actually asking me how I was doing and not just like, you know, exchanging pleasantries. Like, and it, it was just so awful. Sorry. One last thing. Just see, I could talk about these meetings for, for hours. Please do. But, I, um, th this, it's important because I, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I could go no, on No, like on I don't, I don't want to just interview um, y'all about, um, you know, about, Oh, you know, answer my 67 questions. Like tell us about the experience because yeah. I want to, you know, this should be, it's important that we talk about the experiences that we have organizing because it's not something that people hear a lot of, you know, we read a lot of Jacobin articles, um, <laughs> you know, about, oh, well, this did happen. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, you know, what would happen if I unionized my workplace? It's, it's important that we, that we hear about how bosses act so that we're ready to pick up on that and go, oh, right, right. They're doing the thing that I heard that they were going to do. And, and, you know, being able to talk to our coworkers about it and show them stuff like that, because uh, honestly, like unionism is not the answer, but it, you know, as we're doing all sorts of organizing activities all over the spectrum, you know, the part of the it's solution definitely going to be a big part of the solution. Like, yeah. I, well, if you're going to give me the floor to go on about this, like there was, yeah. there was, a, <laughs> oh Lord, there was a, <laughs> I'm sorry, there was a particular article that they circulated around everybody in the workplace um, who was eligible to vote, and it basically highlighted local 1208 in the UFCW, the, the guys that were running it, the union reps for that particular um, local, they embezzled a lot of money. Like they stole union dues from dues paying members. And it, it was a very, very awful thing. The union itself did an investigation and then reported them subsequently. So it's not like some outside force came in and found that the UFCW was doing something crazy, but the way that it was framed to all of us that were eligible to vote. And this is like two weeks before the election. We had a total of maybe seven meetings over the course of two weeks. And each of them lasted anywhere between an hour to two hours. And where management is just throwing all of these things at us. But essentially what this article said was, you know, the UFCW embezzled this much money and all of these dues were stolen, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, the article that they're circulating 
they only circulated half of the article because the first thing I did was go and Google the article. And what you'll find when you Google this article is that they were held accountable for their actions. They had to pay all of the dues back. The guys that were responsible for this crime are facing 10 years in prison. Like, it's no joke. But that was all left out of it. And it was just framed as though the UFCW is going to come in and steal all your dues. It happened right here in Tar Heel, North Carolina. Like, it it was just nonsense. So (laughs) I... I'm pointing this out. I, I love the first Google result I get is Department of Justice. They're sentenced for embezzlement of union assets. And then the third article I get is the newsobserver.com. Ex-North Carolina union boss gets prison for embezzlement, feds say. I'm pretty sure that's the article, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it, it it was just crazy because I pointed this out. I, I looked the owner, Mike Waliansky, right in the face. And I told him, this isn't the full story. These people were held accountable. Why are you presenting it? Like, why are you presenting us half the story? Why are you doing this? And he told me, well, I guess you can interpret it that way if you want to. (laughs) But what I see is blah, blah, blah. Just a bunch of gaslighting. It's like, no, dude, I'm dealing in facts here. Like, no, but, uh, these but people were held accountable. You don't understand. We have al- alternate facts. <laughs> we have alternative <laughs> facts, yeah. Oh, it, was, it was essentially like an alternative facts moment where he's saying, well, you can interpret it this way. It's like, dude, there's no other way to interpret it. This is what happened. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of that. And I was especially vocal during these meetings because I just can't keep my mouth shut, as y'all can tell right now. But um, this is good for it, an organizer. It, just, <laughs> it was it was just unbelievable how I can sit there and be like, no, this is actually what happened. And they're like, well, you can look at it that way if you want to. But we don't want this for our company. Like, dude, stop. But it but the worst the worst moment for me in these meetings, um, I can actually think of two. But one of them that really hurt me and one of these meetings that I left crying and upset and just like ready to walk out the door the other owner uh Sadra Shadell like I said they played up on fears of sexual harassment and that was her whole speech she she didn't want it to be so you know nobody could get rid of sexual harassers because the sexual harasser will be in the union and the union will protect them and you know just all like this horror story and I straight up I politely and kindly pointed out to this woman that sexual harassment and stalking and nonsense like that is a societal problem like you all know this and so do your listeners but it's a societal problem it's not subject to unions it's not subject to workplaces it's not subject to one particular sect of anything sexual harassment is a problem period and you can't say that we don't deserve a union because sexual harassment exists. That's just not a thing. And they also touted around how, you know, different issues about sexual harassment in the UFCW. So I pointed out to her that, you know, hey, these people were also held accountable. It was a struggle, but it always is with issues of sexual harassment. And this woman looked me in my face in front of the entire night staff, and she said to me, well, Harvey Weinstein was held accountable for his actions. Do you think that that makes it okay? What? And <laughs> I'm not kidding. Word for word, this is what this woman said to me. I have it. We, you know, all the meetings got recorded, so it's it's. Out I there. believe it's- this came out of a person's mouth. I'm just still stunned. <laughs> I, I just, 
I'm never surprised, but I'm still always shocked. <laughs> it's just it sh- the thing. The thing that's really offensive about it too is that she doesn't know me. She doesn't know different things I've experienced and what I've been through. You know, she doesn't know whether I'm a victim of sexual assault or not. And she's sitting there saying, "Well, is Harvey Weinstein okay? Because you know he was held accountable." It's like, are you what? What are you talking about? Give us a union. Like <laughs> it was. It was it was unreal it it really like i said i will never be able to walk into a workplace again and not remember all of these things that happened because if the most progressive lefty company can treat their employees like that and talk to them like that and act like they're children that don't know what they're talking about you know i i just can't look at the uh, workplace the same way again maybe i should thank them for radicalizing me should i give them a big old thank you i don't <laughs> yeah you have to send it's... christmas cards every year now that's that's how it works <laughs> this is a company that generally likes to use like lefty and proletarian aesthetics on their products and on their 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 whatever bullshit the the staff has to see on the walls i'm sure uh it, it sounds like that that contributed a fair bit to like that sounds like a very different situation than most people are in, even when it comes to like what you talked about regarding inoculation. Like this is a company who's already like we are powered and our strength is the workers and et cetera, et cetera. So when you when when you're going for inoculation, even the standard union rhetoric of like the bosses will say this, the bosses will say that, like you almost have to come up with it. Like they'll say the same crap they always say. And also it seems like there might be a little bit new of a playbook you have to do yeah. for the co-optation of like the word proletariat yeah. and shit that these people do now yeah, yeah. which it's oh. makes the you know it makes the uh <laughs> the betrayal it, it makes the you know the mask coming off feel even worse because it's it's like oh you know we're woke we we like all these things we we think that all this stuff is really cool and then you're just <laughs> then it's just like skip forward six months and it's you screaming liberal at all of them <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Just Just to kind of touch on some of what Megan said, too, uh, about the captive audience meetings, I kind of just wanted to throw a couple things out there. Um, One of them was that my, I think one of the most telling things for me was that they did a whole meeting on collective bargaining, and I raised my hand at this meeting, and I, they were talking about all the, like, oh, God, collective bargaining is just the worst thing, and who knows what you could get, you know, your wages might go up, your wages might go down. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? And it was like this very ambiguous kind of thing. So like halfway through, I raised my hand and I and I asked the guy who was doing the presentation, so can you talk about any of the benefits of collective bargaining? And this dude looks at me and and he's just, he kind of like shook his head and he's like, no, like they, they literally would not say one specific positive about collective bargaining. And like I knew, you know, pretty early on that these meetings were bullshit, but that was the biggest wow moment for me like are you kidding i mean i had because like megan said we were on second shift and so first shift would give us like a tip off like hey the meeting's going to be about collective bargaining so i knew going into work that it was going to be about collective bargaining so i did my homework and i and i looked it up and i researched a pretty decent amount of information about collective bargaining and the fact that this guy couldn't say one positive about it was just mind-blowing to me now is this somebody that worked for no evil foods that was doing all this presentation stuff uh there were let me think um there was the plant manager becky who was she was demoted wasn't she that's, that's a whole okay other yeah let's not talk about that <laughs> she's no longer with the company uh oh um, when you bust the union so hard that you bust your <laughs> job <laughs> um so there was her 
Mike, Sadra, uh, payroll guy, Lewis. So five people did the meetings. Okay. Five different people. Including. Yeah, including the two owners. Wow. But to kind of give you an idea, one of the things that you might be familiar with is that they, some of the audio that got leaked, which I know you've heard, they've been trying to copyright claim it and pretend <laughs> that they have rights to it, which is just ridiculous. So <laughs> I don't know uh, what platform you all host your uh, podcast on, but I have transcribed some of the audio and I will literally sit here and read off of the choice quotes from these meetings, word for word, in quotes, and tell you who said them. Always down for And that. they can't copyright that. So, let's see. Um, I'm not going to try to imitate them because I don't want to sound like a union buster too much. But <laughs> Let's see. By, so, this is Mike here. Mike Walianski, CEO. Quote, by choosing UFC Local 1208, you send a message to our investors. You don't want us to look out for you. If that's the case, fine. But just remember, at that from... Just remember, at that point, from the investor's perspective, it's business. This is a separate quote. It's a very real risk that having a union at Noable Foods will greatly impact our ability to continue raising capital, which risks the survival of our business. Another quote. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're not the only option investors like this have, and we do need capital to grow. It's not optional. Please understand that I have no control over what investors will do. Here's another one for Mike. This union and unionization in general seems to perpetuate values and behaviors that I do not want to be part of our culture. <laughs> you can hear me. You can see me. It upsets me. It scares me. It worries me. <laughs> and then he said, nope. Okay, we're going to switch over to Sadro. Quote, I would be very concerned that the union would take your harassment, harassment complaints as seriously as we would. That's what Megan was talking about. Here's another one. If someone is accused of harassment, we're going to terminate that person. And I'm horrified. At the thought that a union that's supposed to represent all of you, mm. including anyone who is subject to harassment, might fight to put that person back to work. <laughs> Jeez. Now, to be fair, police have given unions very a very, very bad name. Yeah, and that's actually, that's so. funny you mentioned that. Go ahead. I was going to say, they actually <laughs> used that as a talking point because they ended up once <laughs> all of this got, like, some of the audio got released and some of this started blowing up on Twitter and with us not being afraid to talk about what happened um they made some I, I don't know if it was a tweet or an instagram post but it, no it, evil it was a, it was a it was a tweet in response to somebody else and it happened over the summer during the blm protest oh see he knows better than i do but <laughs> they basically tried to say well but they, they tried to paint like oh well police unions yeah they they just basically tried <laughs> to justify their anti-union stance by bringing up police unions and it's like any person that's relatively on the left knows that there's a problem with policing in this country and that unions are a big part of that. But we're not the police. We're making plant meat. Like, we're, we're cooking food. Uh, like, what? Uh, I'm not going to go shoot somebody <laughs> and have a union protect me, you know? It just, it, it, they tried to use that as an excuse, though, that, to justify their anti-union stuff. The number one thing that uh, our elected officials can do in this country to bust unions is for all of our legislators to form a union to make sure that they are not uh, unjustly manipulated or held accountable by uh, the investors, the voters. Yeah, they just absolutely co-opt the IWW. They call it the one big union, but it's just the politicians in it. And they're like, see, see how bad this is? Look at what we're doing. You can't elect us all out over the world. we're protected by the union. Yeah, yeah no, that's essentially what they did. And honestly, if you look into their investors, it's kind of funny that they talked about the union being this awful thing. But if you look into one, of, like they have they have several investors, but one of their investors is called City, S-I-D-D-H-I. -D -D um, and 
they actually invest in several different companies, but one of the companies they also invest in, aside from No Evil Foods, is a company that actually produces meat, like <laughs> real meat. So the fact that they're out there saying the UFCW is, you know, this horrible, uh, horrible union, while they're taking money from a, a an investor that actually takes part in the killing of animals, which, as a vegan company, what the hell are you doing? Why would you do that? When I learned that, I was like, holy shit, are, are these people fucking kidding? I'm, I'm sorry. Um, are, are they kidding? I, I don't know if I can curse on your podcast. You can swear as much as you want. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I wasn't sure if it was like a Christian podcast or <laughs> cursing is cursing is allowed on the podcast. Okay. I broke the bleep button like three episodes in. It just doesn't okay. work anymore. It sits there and it looks at me. City Investments is invested in a lot of strange companies. Some of them that I recognize, like you said, you know, they're double dipping into you know into companies that aren't vegan and kind of kind of ruining that kind of ruining that aesthetic you know once you've once you've tied yourself as uh no evil foods you know into into an investor that doesn't even align with your proclaimed values like you've already lost uh, you've already lost standing right they did say well we can't control what the investors do and (laughs) i I guess you know another person another person at these meetings actually pointed out to them because of their whole scaremongering tactic about how we don't know what investors will do if this union goes through. Like that was one of their major talking points. Another one of the uh, organizers that was working with us, they said to Mike, you know, one of the owners, Mike, that if we can't control the investors now, if we can't control what the investors do now, then we can't control what they do later. Like what difference does it make to us? Like the investors <laughs> yeah. are going to do what they want. It sounds like. And uh, what, what is it that he said to them? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, no, it was just like this really nonchalant, uh, something along the lines of like, well, you can interpret it that way. It was completely brushed over this amazing point that this person made that you can't trust investors one way or the other. It doesn't matter if there's a union or there's not one, they don't care about us. And it, it, it was just a lot of contradicting information. Yeah, I mean, I'd play the clip, but I don't want your podcast to get pulled. So, well, you know what? What I heard, what I heard was that I want to take this boot and shove it as far down my throat as I can, <laughs> and then uh, when I pull it out, make sure that it's polished up as well as possible for these investors. I just, yeah. I keep hearing the phrase, "Oh, well, you can interpret it that way," as they're just stock yeah. response to. You might have made a good point. Uh, some people <laughs> may have interpreted that as a good point, but yeah. other people. <laughs> People who people know who what's want up. five more cents an hour in a pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, it's, it's just crazy how a company can just gaslight an entire group of employees. Like there were probably about what, like a hundred employees there, maybe give or take. No, uh, give or take. no there were pro- probably less. There than were that. like si- there were like sixty employees there that were eligible to vote, or like fifty-five or something like that, and. uh it's just crazy how easy it is to manipulate such a large group of people that all have common interests. And it's all done through this guise of like, well, I'm this authority figure. I care about what happens to you. You know, we're all a team here. And it, it's that's just not reality. Like the lowest paid employees at your company are not at the same level as you. You're the lowest paid employee at the facility. And you're t- sitting there talking to the highest paid employees at that facility and having them tell you 
well, this is what it is. And, you know, this is how it's going to be. And people really just kind of fell for it. it. It was really sad. That's the thing that's so frightening, but all I don't know. It's 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 simultaneously frightening and hopeful. It's just how incredibly pissed poor their arguments are and how like like they just like the things they're saying are so clearly nonsense. They're they're uh bullshit. It's easy to see through them. People at the meetings, it sounds like we're seeing through these things. It was all really transparent. And at the end of the day, it's just the fact that they like I might just lose my job. Everyone might just lose their job. If I'm one of the people who votes wrong, we're all fucked. And then everyone, a lot of people got fucked out. It sounds like anyway, everything they're doing is so flimsy. And that's like hopeful in that it seems like it's so easy to break through once you find that kind of solidarity amongst everyone that makes them go, yeah, fuck it, stand together. But also the the amount of power they hold is so extreme that 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 they can just the mask can slip that far it's the i think they actually said this on chapo from an episode like a day or two ago it's just the mask will slip as far as it is allowed to slip and it upsets me that it's allowed to slip this far they don't even have to be good at fighting it you know what i mean yeah well i mean they control the narrative so i mean they yeah. they they have the power to force people into a meeting and pay them for an hour two hours to sit there and listen to their crap we don't have that and that's that's a huge disadvantage so are you saying we should get that power perhaps we should get the power to put people into meetings sorry no just fi just find a way to maybe like uh, arrange a little bit of funding here and there by gathering it from some people and say like hey uh, if everyone would like to come to our anti-union like get together on the weekend we'll also pay you for it <laughs> or our anti-anti-union you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah that's honestly not a bad idea. I would have done that had I thought of it at the time. <laughs> well, we, we did have a couple meetings um, outside of work, but I, I really feel like we didn't play on that as strongly as we should have um, as far as getting people to sort of engage after work and sort of outside of the work workplace. That is a big one. That's hard. That's hard, though. Yeah, no. It, yeah. yeah. You have to also understand, too, that like we're talking about, oh, wow, it like it's scary how easy it is to manipulate people like that. But you have to understand the setting that we were in, too. So they take us all the way into the back of the building. They would take the entire shift. Like, they had two separate meetings each day, morning and night shift. And they would shove, like, 20-plus people into a tiny room that was probably meant for, like, 15 people. Kind of. Yeah, it had, like, a U-shape to it. And they had the big projector up like we're in high school teaching us whatever it is they think they're teaching us but they shove all of these people into a tiny little room they actually um for the first few meetings on night shift what they did was they waited right before we were supposed to go to lunch so they would shove a bunch of hungry people into a tiny room and then aggressively tell us how divisive unions are and how bad unions are and how bad this is going to be. So, you know, you're sitting there, your average worker, Joe, you're hungry, you're tired, you know, you don't want to be here at these meetings. You wish you could be back on the floor. You wish you could be out there sleeping. But it's, you know, it's it's really easy to manipulate people under the right circumstances. And they had that advantage. They were able to stop work in the middle of the shift. They were willing to cut into profit. They thought these meetings were so important that we cut into profit to go sit and shove a bunch of people into a room that didn't need to be there. And, you know, a lot of people asked not to be there. It's It was a whole mess. Well, the fact it that they're awful. willing to do that is just the biggest red flag anyway. Yeah.
I just love that everything you're saying is like, oh, yeah, I've heard all of these. These are like things the government talks about as like effective torture techniques and stuff. Like you just find yeah. people at their weakest point, bombard them with shit, make agreement with that shit. The only thing it's just literally let's traumatize and or re-traumatize people or at the very least inconvenience them so highly they'll just say whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That shit works. Yeah. I mean, before before we uh, actually started recording, I, I had kind of compared it to um not so much a like a used car dealer but like more like how the government sounds when they're trying to sell you a war yeah like that's what it felt like it felt like proper like straight up propaganda and i mean that's what it was yeah and like what you just said was is, is exactly what it like how they did it if you're a person who kind of has struggled most of your life and the idea of having any kind of money taken out of your paycheck scares you then they're going to scare the shit out of you about union dues. If you're somebody who has been sexually assaulted, they're going to scare you about the possibility of being sexually assaulted at work because of the union. Mm. And uh, it just so happens that there was somebody who was there just a couple weeks prior to their first union meeting, anti-union meeting, that had gone through a, like a stalker situation where this person was on the same shift, kind of being really creepy and... Um, I won't go into details, but they were just really creepy, and the, the, the advances were unwanted, and there was literally a stalker situation, and they brought that up at one of the anti-union meetings in a kind of a veiled way where they were like, and if there's a situation where somebody's being made to feel uncomfortable, then the union might make, that hard, make it harder to get rid of that person. And the person who was – the other person who was the victim of that was sitting in the room. So they're, they you they literally like literally re-traumatizing yeah. played on fears of people. Yeah, no, literally God re-traumatizing damn. people just to just to get a point across, just to you know put a check mark in their book. Well, we covered that one. You know, we have that one. Yeah. scared enough to yeah. to vote against it. And not even just fears necessarily. Like the so the plant manager at the time was actually vegan, and I'm I mean I'm vegan, so she made it a point to say to me and uh, to say to. The, the few other vegans, you'd be surprised at how few of them there were at the time. It was kind of strange. But they made it a point to say to me, do you really want to be associated with a union that also represents Smithfield? And, like, that argument, like, you know this, that argument is so, so fucking ridiculous. Are you yeah. kidding? <laughs> like, first of all, yeah, they represent Smithfield, but... Say we just talked about yeah, the investors. Filling my car with gas fuels wars in, across the world. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm really beyond, like, you know, where my money goes <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah. The UFCW represents thousands. It's like one of the, the largest unions in the country. They represent so many other people besides Smithfield. So that argument in itself was ridiculous for that reason. But on top of that, assuming that that wasn't even the case and the UFC just represent UFCW just represented Smithfield and then they wanted to represent No Evil Foods. Let's just pretend. So fucking what? The U like as if uh, slaughterhouse workers don't deserve to have some kind of representation. It's one of the most dangerous jobs in the country. I will say that as a vegan, I don't think that anybody who works at a fucking slaughterhouse should be tr mistreated or should be treated like shit or even treated like the way that they treat the animals. Like, fuck that. No, they should have a union. I hate Smithfield. Don't get me wrong. But like, what kind of an argument is that? Right. I said the, the UFCW doesn't represent the chopping knife and the electric probes like they represent the workers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, they've thrown so much at you. They've they've lied to your faces They've done their hardest to to convince you otherwise. Y'all 
you know, clearly have come out of this better for it, more radical even. And yeah. and yet the unionization effort failed. What do you think you learned from this? What is what is what are some of the most important things that you think uh you've left uh you've left this experience with? Uh, uh maybe one day I will write a book about this. Uh <laughs> there's so much. <laughs> Um, but, uh, first and foremost, like one of the most important things to anybody that I could tell anybody and what, something that I'll keep in mind for the rest of my life and any job I ever have is union or no union drive, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, document, record every single thing that happens, like record any interactions you have with your manager, document any times you talk to your manager Keep track of that stuff because that is so important and that will help you, especially in a union drive. Like that is cr so critical. Uh, th this, th the fact that I documented everything, the fact that we have all of this audio, that is really what helped the NLRB case um, because we knew what we were doing. We, we, as far as keeping track of everything, that was the one thing we got right. And that's the, like the one piece of advice that I could give anybody. Um, and something that I like, I, I do, but like, boy, did I really learn to do that. Like, that is so important. And then solidarity unionism. I know we kind of touched on that, but like, you don't really even need a union to start with. You can find like the smallest thing that's going on at your job. Um, like, let's say the, the there's holes in the gloves. Yeah, there's holes in the gloves. That's that's an easy fix. So you you get everybody together and you say, hey, do you like getting your, your skin burned every time you use these gloves? And of course, people are going to say no. It's like low-hanging fruit. So you say, okay, why don't we do something about that? Why don't we get this fixed? And why don't we just kind of see who else has this problem and then maybe we can go talk to the boss about it? That's what we did. And I will swear to it to the day I die, that is why I was fired. Yeah. Wow. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Megan and John, it has been it has been a a lovely time uh, getting to getting to record with y'all, getting to hear your story, getting to talk about your experience. Um, I really I really hope that y'all get fired from another job again for trying to unionize because God damn it, you won't be stopped. And I believe in you that much. No, I hope that you find a better job than this, Aww. and that you are successful in unionizing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, th uh, and thank you so much for having us too. Like this is it's really great. One thing I can another that's another positive note that I can end this on is that like the outreach from people who are willing to talk to us about this and just let us go on rants about this and really publicize the story and the way that average workers are treated. It's it's priceless. It's it's the kind of stuff that really is going to build worker solidarity. And you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, hundred percent. Fantastic. Yes. Is there anything else that you guys uh, would like to share your Twitter account? Plug, plug your pluggables that you run for the next time you're doing your something cool. Pluggables. Yeah. Um, Which you assume is all the time. Really. Moevilfoods.com, uh, that's M-O, evilfoods.com, uh, has a ton of info about all of this, including audio. And then I really recommend following uh, Bertie Gregson on Twitter. Um, those are my two plugs. I, know, I don't think Megan has any. <laughs> also, Moevil Foods on Instagram as well, I believe, if that's your platform. Of oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, you're right. Um, there's uh, So Evil Foods on Instagram, and then there's Moevil Foods too. 
because nice. Mo Evil Foods, the regular one, was copyright. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's they, also they're, they're I not see a big fan of memes. <laughs> I see two and three as well. Uh, yeah, three, and then anything past that number, I would not trust because they ended up trying to uh, make their own phony their little bot accounts. And um, oh yeah. man. That's fucking hilarious. That's so I love that. sad that they're at the point where they're just trying to stop memes. <laughs> yeah. No, don't meme me, please. <laughs> uh, it's a fucking Ben Shapiro energy. All right. Well, uh, I think I think we're good to close out on on uh, Ben Shapiro energy. We do not need any more of that on this podcast. I think uh, between Dennis and Bo, they have that short king energy covered. So. We'll be heading out. Thank you so much for listening to the Psychic Dolphin Garage. Uh, as always, we will have our plugs uh, in the recording, and we will see everybody for our Tuesday episode. Howdy, y'all. Don't forget to follow our link tree in the show notes to discover new things like our Discord, social media platforms, and all the places where you can listen to our podcast. Word of mouth is the best way to introduce us and other leftist creators to friends, family, coworkers, your AA buddies. Community is about more than hot takes online. And if you want to support our efforts, you can donate to us at patreon.com slash psychic dolphin garage, which is spelled how it sounds. Hope to see you on the stream tonight. Enjoy this music by JJ Dean. How the fuck I still got a full head of hair? Not a single brain. Fuck the cops. Family first. Every single day. Bringing a charm when I bring the alarm. My arms got a box cutter and sticky. We gotta abolish ice. We gotta abolish ice. Abolish it. No need to apologize to Holocaust apologists. For no reason we colonize the land and put up monuments. Dope needles. Dollar signs to globe stairs and astonish. I hope there'll be a punishment. I really want to get bloody. I really want to stand in judgment of anybody taking money from anybody in the struggle. Anybody on a budget. Poor people getting 10 to 20 for some dumb shit. Corporations incorporating a bloodlet. Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless. Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless. Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless. Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless. Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless. Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless. Mark my fucking words.